Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, presented by Lake Monster Brewing. We have a special guest with us here tonight. We have former Lions All-Pro Safety Glover Quinn joining us on the podcast tonight to talk about the Vikings and Lions matchup that we have coming up this weekend. We're going to talk a bit about culture in an NFL locker room, as well as touch base a little bit on the Eagles-Vikings game. So go grab your favorite Lake Monster beer, and we'll be back in just a minute. Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota Vikings. Skull! Good evening, everybody. Welcome into Vikings Happy Hour. As I mentioned on the pre-show, uh, we have a special guest with us here tonight, joining Miles and Dave and I. Uh, we have Glover Quinn, uh, former Lions All-Pro Safety, uh, Pro Bowl Safety, Interception Leader back in 2014. Glover, how are we doing today? Man, I'm doing excellent. How you guys doing? Fantastic. Miles? Good. I'm good. I'm good. Glad to have you on, Glover. Hey, glad to be here. Glorious in Texas. Always. 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 Can't complain. Uh-uh. Not very often. <laughs> well, we're excited to have you on. Obviously, we have a fun matchup coming up this weekend with the Vikings and Lions. Obviously, you know that Lions organization pretty well, spending about six years over there with them uh, and having some of your best years in your career over there. So, um, But that was a few years ago. You retired in 2019, I think it was, or 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have you been up to since? Uh, yeah, so I retired after the 2018 season. Um, and, you know, obviously 2020, COVID hit, so you just kind of chilling out for a year. So I kind of started doing some different stuff. Um, YouTube and just kind of having fun. That's the cool thing about retiring and walking away when you want to walk away because you kind of just get to do whatever it is you want to do, right? So whatever I just kind of was feeling in the moment, I was just kind of doing it, just not really committing to a lot of different things, just kind of dabbling into a lot of stuff. And, um, you know, I found myself getting more and more and more into like, the media far as photos, videos, and just doing stuff like that. And so I got deeper into photography and videos and stuff like that. And now I'm, you know, I started, you know, taking pictures of my kids and their sports and all these different things. And so now I'm just kind of full fledged into it and just kind of like, you know what, this is kind of cool. You know what I'm saying? Something, something to do with my time to, um, you know, have something to do, travel around, take a bunch of photos, do videos. And so that's what I do now. And so I've um, really been really been diving into that and other aspects of it because there's so much that go into it. And so for me, it's just a challenge. Um, you know, a lot of guys, when they leave the game, you know, they're looking for that that challenge, that adrenaline rush, that that simulation of 
NFL game day and whatever, all those things. And for me, taking photos give me that. So Very cool. that's what I'm doing. Very cool. Love that. Love that. You know, I was, I was reading on, uh, again, when I was doing a little background research, I was reading a little bit about how you, um, you know, you, you did well in terms of, you know, following a, a financial strategy, right? And, and actually, we talked about this in the show in the year past. Uh, actually, one of my favorite, Miles and I's favorite receivers of all time, uh, your former teammate, Ryan Broyles, um, uh, led with a really good financial strategy there. Um, have you ever thought about going in and talking to rookies about that and, and having your head on straight from a financial perspective? Um, so when they do leave the game, it does offer them that opportunity to, to, to truly dive into some passion hobbies and things like that? Um, not really. You know, I, I talked with one team. I talked to um, the Denver Broncos one time. Um, I think it was actually during COVID. Um, I think Vic Fangio was the head coach and he had um, reached out to me and I talked to them over like Zoom or whatever. But for the most part, man, the NFL, they they have all these different programs and people that talk to guys. They come in all the time. They have, you know, symposiums. At least I know they used to. Um, there's all types of resources for these guys. And I think for me, at the end of the day, it boils down to the ones that really want to do right and do do the right things with their money. They're going to do it. They're going to take the resources. They're going to reach out to people. They're going to get the right people around them to help them. The ones that don't want to do it, you can talk to them till you're blue in the face and they're not going to do it. They're going to spend their money. They're going to blow it. And then they're going to look back and they're going to regret it. So, um, you know, I haven't turned down anything, but I haven't actively been reaching out to teams. So, hey, let me come talk to you guys as rookies or whatever, because like I say, at the end of the day, the ones that really want to to save their money and do things the right way, they're going to do it. They're going to find help. They're going to find the right people. And the ones that don't, they're not. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're, we're going to get into a little bit of, uh, you know, Vikings talk here. Of course, we're going to bring in your lines. Don't worry. Uh, but I do want to touch base a bit on the, the Vikings-Eagles game that we just saw on Monday night. Obviously, going into that game, there was a lot of hype around the Vikings, the way we just handled the um, the Green Bay Packers, and and uh, offense was clicking, defense played relatively well, and then we went into this uh, Eagles matchup and and kind of took one right to the chest there. Um, specifically on defense in the first half, it looked like Jalen Hurts was pretty much doing whatever he wanted to do. Um, from your perspective, being a former NFL player on the defensive side of the ball. Is there any takeaways that you took from that that we how we can potentially fix what our woes were against Jalen Hurts and that Eagles offense? Well, the thing is, right now Jalen Hurts is playing with a lot of confidence. He's playing at his pace, his tempo, and he did the same thing against us in Week One. Right? He's he's controlling the pocket. He knows where he wants to go. The run game is complimenting him. He got some receivers that he can get the ball to. But he also can scramble and get out the pocket. And so when a quarterback can get out the pocket and run and get those first downs or extend plays, it puts strain on your pass rush because now those guys have to have a contained type of pass rush. They can't just go ears pinned back like they're going after an immobile quarterback like we saw Philly do against you guys because Kirk Cousins is not as mobile. So you can pin your ears back and go after him. You do that with Jalen Hurts, you get up the field, he's going to just take off running 
And those 15 yards, 10 yards here, eight yards there, those things start to become frustrating. So now you start doing different things to try to contain him. And then it leaves holes open in the secondary and in your coverage. And he's able to attack those things. So I think he's playing at a high level right now, at least through these first two weeks. Um, They've won two games. He looks very, very, very much in control. But I don't think from, you know, week in, week out, you're not going to see quarterbacks like that. And so I think you guys, you know, have, you know, generally had really good pass rush, really good solid defense. And so I think on a normal week-in, week-out basis, you guys should be fine. But when you're playing against those scrambling quarterbacks, you just got to make sure you push the pocket, you know, rush in a contained type of situation, try to keep Jalen Hurts in the pocket, don't give him room to run, um, and force him to throw the ball. Hey, hey, Glover, so when you were in Detroit, you got you got to see the Vikings' old regime, Mike Zimmer's defense. Um, obviously, you played on the defensive side, but, like, you got to see what that defense looked like and in comparison to the new defense under Ed Donatel, could you kind of explain a little bit more of like what the true, obviously we're, we're shifting from a four, three to a three, four. Could you maybe touch on a little bit of like some of like the differences for fans to like understand like what that difference is in like a true package and like what, what you saw on Monday that like that's significantly different from what the old Vikings regime might've done. Well, so the difference in four, three and three, four is so four, three, stands for the amount of defensive linemen you have on the field and the amount of linebackers, right? So there's right. 11 total guys on the field. So if you're running a 4-3, that means you have four defensive linemen. You only have three linebackers. So that's seven. So that leaves you four defensive backs. If you're running a 3-4, now you only have three defensive linemen on the field and you have four linebackers. So when a team is running a 3-4, you only have three defensive linemen, so you got to have some of those big guys. So that's when you see guys like the Vincent Wilforks from back in the days. You see, uh, rest in peace, the Tony Saragusas, the, the bigger guys that can um, basically stand over the center, and they call it two-gap. And he's, he's responsible for the two A-gaps on either side of the center, right? Haloti Nada, a lot of those big guys that – you know, can play that position, right? Um, and then you have, you know, five techniques, guys like J.J. Watt, um, you know, guys that are big enough to play on the interior, but they're good enough to rush. And then you have outside linebackers that they rush the passers as well, kind of like Von Miller, the Marcus Ware, you know, um, Daniel Hunter can be a, a three, four outside linebacker type of guy, but you really put a lot of pressure on your linebackers um, because you only have two, three D linemen, and one of them is really big that, you know, he's really just plugging up these A-gaps, right? And so now you can do more things in blitz packages, right, because you got four linebackers. You know, they don't know who the fourth rusher is going to be per se, right? You got three D linemen. Is, the, is this outside linebacker going to go? Is this outside linebacker going to go? Are we going to send somebody up the middle? Because we're going to send four, right? We're, we're going to send four. And sending four is technically not a blitz. A lot of people see a three, four and think mm. just because you send one extra guy, you send it, it's a blitz. No, you only a blitz is when you send at least five guys. So if you're in a three, four, Two linebackers have to go for it to be considered a blitz. In a 4-3, you already have four defensive linemen that are going. So now if you send one linebacker, 
you're sending the blitz because that's five guys, right? So what you guys used to do in the 4-3, you had four D linemen. And so now you guys were coming off the edge. I remember you had Brian Robinson, like I said, Daniel Hunter. You had Everson Griffin in there. You had guys that were dedicated. They're coming off the ball. They're down in the stands and they're getting up the field, right? You got these D linemen that are not so big and slow, but guys that can move, guys that can, you know, get things going. And then your linebackers, your linebackers are playing off the ball now instead of on the ball. They're playing off the ball and they're just filling those gaps where those big linemen are not, right? They're just filling those gaps. And then you got safeties, Harrison Smith. Those guys are coming in. Um, you know, I had Sendejo back in when I was there. All those guys are coming in making plays in the run game, right? So when you go to a 3-4, it's a little different. And if you don't have the right personnel, it could take a little time to transition to that type of defense, right? That's different for Harrison. It's going to be different for a lot of those guys that haven't played in the 3-4 system. They've played in the 4-3. So it's very, you know, tough when you get new coaches come in and they try to change the defensive system because the team is built for a 4-3. So it's going to take a couple right. years for them to get the personnel that they need to be effective in the 3-4. And it's going to start with, for one, you got it's kind of like baseball, right? They say in baseball, if you're strong up the middle, you can be good, right? Catcher, pitcher, shortstop, center fielder, right? Well, in the 3-4, you got to be strong up the middle. So you got to you got to have a nose tackle that can that can be dominant. You got to have good middle linebackers and then you got to have good safety play. Awesome. Thanks for that. that. Yeah, that's great information yeah. there. Um, well, and, and, uh, and real quick, Ryan, the, the Vikings kept like 90% of the defensive roster. Like they added a few pieces, obviously, the Harrison Phillips, uh, Zadarius Smith. They added um, um, uh, 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 who's the linebacker? Um, 58, uh, Jordan Hicks. There it is. Uh, uh, no, Jordan Hicks. They, add, they added Jordan Hicks. Like they added a few pieces from outside the, the facility, like the team from last year. But overall, they kept majority of zimmer's defense and so like like you said glover that's a that's a huge change it's a huge adjustment for them and a lot of them are are new to a 3-4 scheme because a lot of those vikings players have been in minnesota for a long time you know eric hendricks daniel hunter um not patrick peterson but you know like those guys they've been in this defense for a long time so um and their bodies period for sure and, and those guys' bodies are built for four three. Like the the bodies right, of, of right. three four guys and four three guys are different, right? Von Miller wouldn't really survive in a four three scheme as just a defensive end. Yeah, but yeah. he can survive in a three four scheme as an outside linebacker, right? Sure. So it's different. It's different, right? I think you look at a guy like Robert Quinn, right? He can survive in a 4-3 scheme, scheme as an outside line, I mean, as a defensive end, right, from Chicago. But I don't know how effective he would be in a 3-4 scheme as an outside linebacker. So it's right. different, right? The bodies are different. The, 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 the position is different. I know they look at it the same. Oh, he's just the outside rusher. It's different than, you know, I, and I, keep, I remember back my days in, in Houston, you know, Mario Williams – was really good in the 4-3 scheme, right? He wasn't the same guy in the 3-4 scheme when Wade Phillips got there, right? Because you go from hand down in the dirt to standing up a little bit. It's a little different. You got to drop sometimes in coverage. You're not just pinning your ears back 
and rushing the passer. So it's a little different. So it'll take those guys some time to adjust to the new system, the new scheme. And they, like I said, they got to change some of those body types to get guys that fit the three, four system. How much and, and, change? All right. We had change up in the front seven from the scheme wise, but we also had change scheme wise in the back four because Zimmer ran his defensive backfield differently than that Donatel runs his backfield. Harrison Smith, you talked about, is now getting used to <clears throat> used to um, playing it different. We now see him lined way back where a lot of times he'd come up in the box. Um, what are the differences you see between the Zimmer style of defense and the Donatel style of defense when it well, that, pertains that's- to your DBs? And 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 I don't know. I haven't studied Ed's uh, defense, so to say. But just thinking three, four, and four, three, right? A lot of times when you run a three, four, right? You you playing your two safeties. They're going to be back a little bit more, right? Because you already got four linebackers that are off the ball, right? So if you bring a fifth linebacker down to basically another safety, it kind of can get congested, right? When you got a four, three, well now you only have three linebackers. So when you walk that extra safety down in the box. That's when you get the eight-man box, right? So it's hard for offenses to run into an eight-man box, right? Because they only got seven guys that are in there to block. So you got one guy that's always unblocked. That's why Harrison Smith, the strong safety, can always get in there and make those tackles because if you can read it and you understand run gaps and run responsibilities, you're going to be the free hitter most of the time because they only got seven guys to block eight. So there's going to be a a, a a free guy every time. And if you see it fast enough, Harrison made a living running through those backside gaps, making tackles for losses. Now when you go a 3-4, you move those safeties back. So now they're playing more probably quarters, more cover two, things like that. So now Harrison isn't in the box as much. So now he's back in space and, you know, this is probably year 10 or so for Harrison. So I can't sit here and say that he's probably at the peak of his speed when he was, you know, in his prime. So when guys get older, they don't necessarily want to play in cover two and cover fours because it's a lot of space back there. They want to move down in the box so they can use their knowledge, see the run gaps, be effective in there, right? When you're younger, yeah, you can run all over the place. So, yeah, put me in cover two every now and then. Let me go catch some interceptions. When you get older, now things start to show up. And like I said, I haven't watched, you know, extensively to see, but I just know how it is as a defensive back. And so for Harrison, I'm sure he's having an adjustment because his game style, his career has been made in the box making those plays, making sacks, making tackles for loss, getting the crowd going. And then when he do have to drop back in the pass, you know, being able to play the half and and catch interceptions or play the deep thirds, when you're having to do that full time, now you're not really getting that whatever to get you going. Those tackles for losses that get you going, they're just getting down in the box and getting dirty. They kind of get you going. You're not getting that as much. And so it takes a little longer to kind of get in the flow of the game because just as a cover two safety, I mean, you could be back there for a while and just doing nothing. You need a different kind of athlete. You need a different kind of athlete back there too, I'd assume too, because you got to cover a lot more ground more often. Then I'm not saying Harrison's. I'm not saying Harrison's not an athlete. That's not. But like he's definitely like you said, more of a guy that plays in the box, 
can move around a little bit. But that's why, like, a Lewisine is a perfect, like, obviously, we haven't seen much of him, but Lewisine is a very athletic type safety. So you hope that he can develop into that type of type of player in this defense. Right. Well, and, and that was going to be my next question. And, and, and to quick go back to something you had said about those outside linebackers, we're seeing that. We're seeing that some of these guys are having to drop back. I mean, I think there was a play last week where we had uh, DJ Wanham trying to guard Devonta Smith in coverage, and you just can't have that. Like that That's just a recipe for disaster. But to, to go back to that, and it's actually uh, a comment that came in uh, with our listeners here live, is that uh, one of the um, commenters had said, Brian Osimo and Lewisine, we need to get them in, uh, in the game because they provide a little bit more speed. Um, so when you talk about the middle guys, right, you talk about the, the uh, up the middle, so the nose tackle, the linebackers, and the safeties, and them needing to ha- is more speed, even if that does take away a little bit of the quote-unquote thumper mentality that you see like a Malcolm Rodriguez have, uh, important in a 3-4 for them to be effective in that role? Well, the thing is, you know, having more speed, in the secondary with your safeties because safeties you're going to have to cover a lot right you got you got to cover a, a lot because when you're playing quarters and you're playing cover two the safeties are basically responsible for number two so when they go to these slot formations or these formations where they got these wide receivers they go vertical the safeties are on those guys right they go running across the field we saw we saw um you guys Hurt Green Bay with this in week one. Justin Jefferson goes up and he just runs all the way across the field, run past one safety, the backside safety doesn't see him, run past him, catches a deep pass out across the field, right? So those safeties are put in situations where they're having to chase these fast wide receivers, right? So if you're not getting pressure on the quarterback, you put a lot of pressure on those safeties. So having cover safeties benefits you in, um, you know, when you plan a 3-4, right? The problem is, Y'all pay Harrison a lot of money, and he's a great safety in, in, in Minnesota. So the chances of them sitting Harrison down is slim to none, right? right. So you're going to have to go at least a year um, with Harrison understanding and learning how to play a 3-4 and, and being that guy. And then if it don't work out, you know, they may look for a trade or something like that. But, you know, he's he's been the face of the, the secondary for a long time back there, and they paid him a lot of money, so he's going to be there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, la- last question I have on the Eagles game. I know we haven't talked a lot Vikings Eagles. We talked a lot more, you know, technical coverage stuff, which is great. And uh, again, it's going to help us all learn how to watch the game a little bit better. Um, Kirk Cousins this game, uh, and and Kevin o- Kevin O'Connell took blame for the offensive issues that happened this game. Um, it, but it did seem like when we we look back at the All Twenty Two that he did scheme up a pretty good game. Kirk might have been a little bit more laser-focused in on forcing the ball into certain situations, like you had alluded to earlier, because of coverage, because of blitzing uh, that was coming in. From a defensive back perspective, again, you had uh, you're an interception leader back in 14, so you're used to getting a lot of interceptions, right? Uh, mm-hmm. When Darius Slay was on another level, right? Mm-hmm. What goes into your mentality as a defensive back when a quarterback is playing, I guess, flustered is probably the best word to use, and in and, and getting in his head, do you just get this kind of confidence about yourself that, that you know, I am going to get this. I mean, he came up with two, probably could have had three, 
What goes into your mentality as a defensive back when you see a, a quarterback playing like that? Well, it, it, it's not necessarily just a quarterback playing like that. You you are in a groove, and the groove comes from one, you're comfortable, you've been at home. It comes from two, your film study and your preparation is matched with what you're seeing actually on the field, right? So you've studied Justin Jefferson, and now you're on the field with him, and what you studied and what you prepare for is happening. So you got a good feel for what he wants to do, what he likes to do. But then on top of that, my D-line is getting pressure on the quarterback. So now I got a good feel for what they're trying to do, but the quarterback is not comfortable. He's throwing the ball up. So now you just kind of start to feel your vibe, right? Then you're scoring points. So now you know they're going to be throwing the ball, right? So we don't have to worry about the run. We we dialing up more blitzes, right? So now – I'm going to play off coverage. I'm going to play off at about eight, nine yards to give myself some time. So now I can see Kirk. I can see where he want to throw the ball. And there's times that he's breaking on the ball and Justin Jefferson isn't even looking for the ball because Kirk know the blitz is coming. So he's throwing it. Slay see the ball come out of his hand. He's going to make a play, right? So that's what happens when you become one-dimensional and you look at the game, Davin Cook only had, what, six carries? Yeah, They didn't run the ball, right? But that's what happens when you come off of a game and Justin Jefferson have nine catches against Green Bay for 100-something yards, two touchdowns. Now you start to feel yourself. Oh, we got to make sure we're getting Justin Jefferson the ball and you go away from the run game. You put a lot of pressure on Kirk Cousins. Next thing you know, you fall behind a couple scores and now you can't run the ball and the defense has got you in a situation where they can pin their ears back and go and blitz you, and Kirk Cousins don't want to run. So now he's getting scared in the pocket. He don't want to hold on the ball, so he's letting the ball go. It's easy pickings for DBs. So you guys, Devin Cook, just like the Detroit Lions, DeAndre Swift is the guy that makes the offense go, right? You got to get him the ball. You guys got to get Devin Cook the ball. You got to let him run the ball. He's an explosive athlete, and when you have to respect him in the run game, it's only going to make things better for Kirk in the play-action game, and it's only going to make things open up more for Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen out in the, in the route process, progress. Absolutely. Well, Glover, uh, Ryan, can we, can we jump into the, the game this week? So obviously the Vikings playing the Lions, a big reason why we got you here, Glover. But like, can we talk a little bit like what areas do you see? Because obviously like Detroit, this isn't the same Detroit team that we've seen the last couple of years. This is a, a, a new revamped team. You know, Dan Campbell seems to have the team in a, a really good place. Um, like, you you played against some of the current Vikings players, you know, Adam Thielen, Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, a few of these guys that are on the team right now. So um, could you talk a little bit more of, like, what what you see from this new revamped Lions team and, like, this new culture and, and how they could give fits to this the, this new new Vikings team? Well, the thing about this this, this Lions team is is they're, they're playing – uh, with the personality of their head coach, right? They're, they're playing with an edge. They're playing with some grit. They're, those are the things that are being talked about in the building every day, right? Playing with some grit, toughness, you know, being physical. And if you look at their team, you know, from a national perspective, right? Yeah, I know locally and division-wise, but from a national perspective, you look at their offense and you might say, who do they have, right? Oh, oh they do have DeAndre Swift. Oh, yeah. Oh, they do have Jared 
oh, oh, okay, yeah. But from a national perspective, those guys aren't the guys that they're talking about. Yeah, DeAndre Swift gets a little more pub. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown has been putting up numbers, but they're not putting him up there when they're talking about Devontae Adams and they're talking about Stephon Diggs and they're talking about Cooper Cup. They're not putting Amon Ross St. Brown in that category yet, right? So you look at him on defense. Who who are their guys? Yeah, they got Aiden Hutchinson, but he's a rookie. Even though he was a number two overall pick, he was a rookie, right? Who are they linebackers? You don't know. Who's in the secondary? Rodrigo. Right. But who knows him nationally outside of the hard knocks, right? He was a six-round draft pick, I think, right? Right. So he wasn't the first-round top guy that, you know, everybody nationally knows these guys, right? So they all are playing as a group. They're playing with a chip on their shoulder. They're hungry. They're fighting for respect. And they don't have any just one big-time superstar that's the guy. They understand their roles. They understand – you know, who they are. Aiden Hutchinson is a guy that got to be big time for them. And he loves it, right? He's a homegrown guy, played in Michigan from Detroit. He is a great situation for him. And he's excelling in that role, right? You see him come out last week, three sacks in the first half, right? You get a guy, like you said, Malcolm Rodrigo, right? He's a six round draft pick. He's happy to be in the league, right? He came out, he fought, he scratched, he clawed. And now he's starting are playing a major role on the Lions defense. They're playing fast. They're playing confident. They're playing physical. Coaches letting them be themselves, not trying to put them in a box, letting them have some personality. All that stuff is fine when you're winning, right? When you're winning and you're doing things the right way, hey, man, be yourself. Be relaxed. Have fun. But let's take care of our job and let's win football games. And, you know, they came out the first game and they didn't get the job done, right? But I think we're going to see later on that that Eagles team is a really, really, really good team. And the Lions played them close, gave us some points, but they did okay. But I think you will see when they're playing against a, a lot of the teams on their schedule, they're going to end up winning a lot of those games. And by the end of the year, we probably still are going to be saying, who's the superstar? Because it's going to be spread out. Yeah, Amon Ross St. Brown is probably going to emerge a little more. And DeAndre Swift is going to be there. But DJ Chark is going to – he's going to chime in. TJ Hawkinson is going to get his. Jamal Williams is going to get his, right? All those guys are going to get stuff, right? You're going to get some returns from uh, the returner every now and then. And then defensively, right, we still haven't seen an interception, really. I don't think Jeff Okuda doesn't have one. You got Amani who's coming back as, you know, has six picks last year. He hasn't caught one yet this year, right? So who Tracy hasn't caught one. They bring in Deshaun Mike Elliott. Who's this guy, right? Like Mike Hughes, he's an ex-Viking, right? So they got all these guys who's going to emerge. They're playing as a group, linebacker-wise. Can, Ma- can Malcolm keep it up for a full season, right? Can he stay healthy? Can Aiden stay? Like, it's a lot. But those guys right now are playing confident. They're having fun. They got a chip on their shoulder. And hopefully they can keep it going. Well, we're seeing ho- ho- good hopefully not, hopefully not this hopefully not this week is as I will say <laughs> over here on this podcast. But and, and uh you are touching base on uh touching base on this a bit. And we had a conversation about this in a group thread that we're all in here is that um around culture, right? Like how much of a difference that makes for an NFL team and does a a good culture just turn into wins or is there, could you have a good culture without the winning? And I think the Lions are kind of proof that they only won, I think three games last year, but they, they, they stay confident and, and they know they were just there. They're close, right? In every one of those games for the most part last year, they were close. 
And, uh, and you can see some of that now turning into wins, right? I mean, they, they almost came back against the Eagles, but and then, you know, they, they finished the game last week against the Commanders. Um, and then they played us close twice last year. And I, I'm not – Beat us once. Should have beat us twice. Oh, that's right. It should have beat us twice, right? So, yeah. you know, I, I think the question, I guess, is, is in terms of culture, how important is it to you as a player in an NFL locker room uh, to have a coach that you have the 100% buy-in. And were you ever in a position where you didn't have that? Like where you had a coach and you don't have to name names or anything, where maybe you didn't have the buy-in. And, and how much does that make a difference for you as a player mentally? I think no, it's a name huge names. difference. We, we, want the, we want the Teague lover. No, <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it's a huge difference, man. I think, I think culture makes a huge difference. I think in the NFL, it's about respect from on both sides, right? I mean, a lot of times, and I think I said this back when I was playing, you know, for, for a lot of your life, you have coaches and you have players, right? Because when you're in Little League, the coaches are adults and you're a kid, right? When you get to middle school, it's the same thing. You The high school is the same thing. And kind of in college, it's almost, when you get to the NFL, it's, it's, a, it's a different mentality, Right now is coaches and players, but now we're business partners. Right, it's we're men. Right, your job depends on how well I do my job because it's a lot easier than for them to replace one coach than fifty three players. Right, so we're business partners. So now there has to be a respect factor. I need to respect you. You need to respect me. This is what it is, right? Yes, I understand your authority as the coach, but I'm the player, right? So when you have those coaches that understand that, they know how to talk to their players. They know how to get the most out of their players, right? The players respect the coach. They feel like the coach has their best interest in mind. He's not trying to do things to, I don't know, prove his own point. He's really trying to help us develop he's trying to help us win games right and so when you have that environment you get that culture where now we're all in this thing together right we're 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 100 behind the coach we feel like everything that he does you know it's gonna work we like it we vibe together you got the right athletes you get the right scheme that's probably gonna lead to some wins when you have a disconnect with the coach and you don't feel like the coach cares about you. You don't feel like he respects you. He don't talk to you like he care about you. He don't talk to you like he respect you. Now you got to disconnect, right? So now there's things that the coach may ask you to do, and you may do it, but it's a difference when you're doing something and you really want to do it, and you're doing something just because you got to do it. It's a you difference. And I under, right. And I understand, yeah, this is your job, yada, 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 but there's a difference. And so... I just talk about, you know, my three coaches that I had in Detroit, right? Jim Swartz, when I first got there, was a good guy, cool coach, right? But there was some people questioning certain things, right? And then he was kind of on the hot seat, right? So now he might go from that last year, and I don't know how he was prior to when I got there, but when you're kind of on the hot seat, you kind of take this approach of, I want to do it my way. If they're going to fire me. I'm going to at least go down doing things how I want to do it. I'm not going to go down doing stuff, you know, say how everybody else want to do it. And then I don't want to get the blame. Right. So that was the year that I came in. So he's kind of doing things how, you know, 
like he's on the hot seat and everybody don't vibe with that. Right. Then Coach Caldwell came in and Coach Caldwell had a different belief. He he had the ability to make you feel so great that you were willing to just run through a wall for him. Right. You wanted to go out and play your absolute best because you knew he really cared about you and he was really trying to do everything he can to help you be successful. Right. So that's when you hear them talk about these guys that do anything for their coach. They run through the wall and then you hear them talk about guys that lose the locker room. Right. So when Coach Patricia got there, all the respect went out the window. He comes in. He's talking down at the players, talking down on the city, saying you don't know how to win football games. You're not real football players. Colin Slay, you're not an elite player. Talking to Stafford like he's a, a kid, like. You didn't come in and earn the respect of your team. You came in feeling like you were God's gift to earth big time because you came from New England and you were a part of some Super Bowl teams. That doesn't mean you didn't mean you you won a Super Bowl, but you were a part of a team and you had an all time amazing, great quarterback and an all time amazing, great coach. So the things that you see in New England works in New England. Because you guys were winning and because Bill and Tom had been there so long that they had a relationship. So the way that Bill can talk to Tom, you see that it's like, oh, Bill always goes at Tom. Yeah, they had a lot of relationship. They got a lot of games. They got a lot of back and forth. They respect each other. Right. So Bill can set the tone with the whole team by how he talks to Tom. You don't have that relationship with Stafford. So you can't come in and talk to him like that. You got to build that relationship so that we know, okay, we vibing on the same wavelength. And when you don't do that, now guys are mumbling and grumbling and they they don't want to do this and they're not buying in. And so you don't get the wins that you say you want, but you're not doing the things to get the respect of the team. Now you're just getting everybody out of there. You get me out of there. You get Golden Tate out of there. You get Darius Slay out of there. You get Quandre Diggs out of there. You get all these guys that were the guys, the leaders. You get them out of there. Why? Because, well, they still speak in Coach Caldwell's language. Well, these are all pro bowlers. <laughs> like, these are all pro bowlers, man. You're not getting rid of, like, just some stro- – you, you're getting rid of good football players. Why? Right. So you can bring in guys – that you can mind control to do the crazy stuff that you want to do. And it just didn't work out for you. Yeah. Well, I think we, we both are coming from our uh, coaches, right, that maybe had done that. And I think both of our teams are on the right path with these new head coaches, which is good. Uh, let's go into the game this week. I know uh, we've done a lot of talking here today. We haven't really talked a lick about the, the game this week yet. So let, let's dive into that just a bit here. Um, so obviously Lions are, you know, coming in, they're hot. The, the offense is blazing hot from what it seems like, right? Um, why don't we dive into maybe some of those matchups? And, and the first one I want to talk about is Amon Ross St. Brown, who you had kind of spoken about a little bit earlier, against our DBs who either young or we got Patrick Peterson's aging, right? Uh, and, and Amon Ross, he caught fire since that game-winning touchdown catch again against us last year ever since then he just has been i think i mean if you want to talk fantasy perspective he's been like a top five guy since that moment in time and he continues to produce week in and week out 
He calls out everyone who I saw a little article today. They called out Diami Brown for the commanders because he was drafted before him and didn't, I don't think he played a snap against them last week. So let's talk about the offensive matchup here. Amon Ross St. Brown against our DBs, DeAndre Swift against our linebackers and defensive line. Who's got the edge? Who, what are you looking out for from that? And do you think the, the Lions are going to keep up that momentum or do you think that this defense can slow them down? This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys! It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Well, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown is playing at a high level right now. I mean, he just tied an NFL record, you know, eight straight games with eight completions or more. So right now he's out of his mind and he's he has that type of confidence. He doesn't feel like anybody in the league can guard him and stop him. That's just how players feel when they get into that groove. And he especially he especially don't feel like a slot corner can because he does a lot of work on the inside. Yeah, they move him on the outside. They do a lot of different things with him. But the slot corner is typically the third corner on the team, right? The top two guys generally play on the outside, and then the third guy generally plays inside. Now, there are times where your third corner is better on the outside, and one of your first or second corners can move into the inside and play, right? So you may get a situation where, you know, you go nickel and you're not going against the third guy in the slot. You're actually going against the second guy because the third guy was better on the outside. Right. But so for the most part, Amon Robert St. Brown doesn't feel like anybody can cover him. So I don't care who you guys put on him. I don't think he feels like he can be stopped. That doesn't mean that he won't be stopped, but I don't think he feels like, it. I don't think we'll see Patrick Peterson on him. I don't think Patrick Peterson at this point in his career is at the point to where he's still traveling and shadowing guys. At one point, he would be in the slot. He would be outside, left, right, things like that. I don't know if he's still that guy, right? I haven't looked extensively, but I do know I saw the guy from Green Bay run right past him in in, in week one, and it didn't look like his hamstrings had warmed up yet, right? So that's just a part of it. I think Patrick Peterson is in year 12 or 13. I know he's been in there for a while. So he got a lot of miles on the body, right? So I wouldn't expect him to, to travel with Amon Ross St. Brown. So you can look for Amon Ross St. Brown to continue to put up some of those numbers. I think the catches aren't as big as the yards, right? So you want to see how many yards 
Amon Ross St. Brown is putting up. Last week he had multiple catches, but he went over 100 yards. So that means those eight, nine catches, he's averaging 11, 12 yards a catch. Because you can have eight catches for 45 yards. I mean, you're catching a lot of passes, but you're not get, doing a lot of damage, right? There's just a bunch of short passes, right? So when you start getting into those eight, nine catches, like Justin Jefferson week one, right? Nine catches, 180-something yards, right? So not only is he getting a lot of catches, he's getting big plays. So that's what you want to look for with a month. I think he'll get eight catches, but how big are those plays? That's what's going to be a big, big factor, right? When you look at uh, DeAndre Swift, against the linebackers, right? You got three, four. So you're going to have more linebackers on the field. Are those guys comfortable in that role, right? Can they cover him out the backfield? How healthy is he going to be, right? How how healthy is his ankle going to be? You know, he, he was a little limited, I guess, in, in last week's game. He ended up playing. Um, I saw some reports that he's feeling a lot better this week, better than he felt at this time last week. So hopefully he's good to go. Um, but he's an explosive guy at the backfield, right? He can run the ball. He can catch the ball. You saw last week he catches a pass on the ground gets up and then runs for a touchdown, right? That means there was nobody close to him, for one, that he had time to get up. Um, but you can see the mentality, right? I'm not staying down, laying down. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to see if I can make something happen. He's been broke. He's broken out, uh, I think, 40, 50-yard run in both of the games. I think he's one of the first line uh, lines running back to have multiple 50-yard runs in back-to-back games, right? So he's an explosive guy. Can the linebackers keep up? How are they filling in the run responsibility? Because your gaps are different in the 3-4 than in the 4-3. In the 4-3, it's really one back, one gap, right? Every lot, Everybody has one gap that they're responsible for. In the 3-4, it's a little different, right? Remember I told you guys, you got the nose, and he's a two-gapper. He's responsible for this A-gap, and he's responsible for this A-gap, right? So when you do that, that means the linebacker's gaps are different. Right. So going this way, he might be responsible for the B gap. But going this way, he might be responsible for the C gap because somebody else is over there. So it's a difference in the run responsibilities for those middle linebackers. Generally in the four three, you got one linebacker in the middle and he's basically going down here, A gap to A gap or something like that. Right. Now you got that big guy in the middle. And he's taking two gaps. Right. So what if he see it wrong and his linebackers running through this A gap? And then he comes off. Now you get a hole and DeAndre Swift will find that hole and he will hit it and he'll be on your secondary quickly. So those are going to be the things. The, off, the, the offensive line in Detroit, can those guys get healthy, right? Can they get big Frank Ragnow uh, in there to play? He's a all pro, pro bowl type of center. You know, they've been missing right guard, left guard. You know, they still got Taylor Decker on the edge. They got a big O-line. They've invested a lot into their O-line. Those guys are big, powerful, and they want to run the ball. If they can get those guys in there and, and be healthy, you know, from a from a defensive line, offensive line standpoint, I remember back when I was playing in, in, in Detroit, you guys had the upper hand, I felt like, D-line to our O-line, right? You guys had Everson Griffin, Daniel Hunter, um, some of those big guys on the inside, I can't remember all their names, but you guys used to cause problems. I think one game we played you guys, I think Daniel might have had seven sacks or something. I mean, not that many, but he had a lot of sacks. I think as yeah. a group, I think as a group, you guys had tons of sacks against us in, in one of those games, right? But I think now, if those guys are healthy, I think the Detroit O line will have a slight advantage 
over the over the Minnesota D line, especially with them getting used to the new scheme. So, like I say, among Ross St. Brown, how many yards do we have? Let's not really get so much into the catches, but how many yards does he have? And then DeAndre Swift, can those linebackers hit those gaps and tackle him, or are there going to be holes that he's definitely going to find? And then can the O-line dominate the D-line and get the run game going and protect Jared Goff? Glover, let's let's flip that. How do you think the Lions defense will handle the Vikings offensive weapons? Obviously, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, who you've played against, Irv Smith starting to get healthy and coming back, um, had a couple key drops but last week, but still he's a he'll be a big part of the offense. And then obviously Dalvin Cook. How do you see uh the Lions defense handling the Vikings playmakers? Well, I think that's gonna be tough, right? And I think a lot of it would depend on how you guys decide to play the game. How do you guys decide to coach the game? Do you do you look at it from a week one perspective and try to get Justin Jefferson to 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 come back and get another nine catch a hundred plus multiple touchdown game? Or do you say, you know what, we can't put Kirk Cousins in those situations where we expect him to just drop back and try to win the game for us, right? We gotta get the run game going. We gotta get Delvin Cook involved in the game early. It's very important for these guys to get involved early. Like we was talking about earlier with Harrison Smith, right? It's a lot easier to get involved into the game defensively when you're in the box, right? You're blitzing, you get a big tackle for loss early in the game. You feel real good about yourself, right? As opposed to being back in the half and it takes you a quarter and a half before you get any action and make a tackle, right? So with Delvin Cook, you got to get him going early. You got to get the ball in his hand, give him some screen passes, run the ball. He's a good runner. He's a strong runner and he's an explosive runner. He's actually a lot like DeAndre Swift. Explosive, smaller guy, but quick he can take it the distance. So you got to get him going. I don't know how healthy he is. I don't know why he only got six carries last week. I didn't see the the beginning of the game. Um, But you can't survive with him only getting six carries, right? Justin Jefferson, he's going to get his, but it's going to start with the quarterback. He's not a guy that can throw the ball to himself. So if Kirk Cousins isn't isn't comfortable, if Kirk Cousins isn't reading things the right way and he's just trying to force feed him, then you can possibly see what you saw last week, right? The thing you're going to see I'm looking for is Darius Slay played a lot of off-man on Justin Jefferson, a lot of off-man, giving him time to do his little moves or whatever, but you're playing a quarterback and you're playing that wide receiver, right? So I want to watch and see are the lines going to be pressing up on Justin Jefferson because when you press him, he's harder to cover because he's very good off the line, and now you're not in a position where you can see the ball. So now Kirk Cousins can hit you on the back shoulder phase. He can hit you on a deep ball phase. He got slant routes. He got a lot of different things. When you play off, you take away some of his ability to get open because now all those moves don't matter. I'm eight, nine yards off of you, right? So how are they going to do that? How are they going to – I don't know if they're going to match up like they did with the with like the Eagles did. You know, Slay was on Justin's side most of the time, right? If he was in a slot, Slay was still on that side. If they were a man-to-man, Slay probably was on um, Justin Jefferson. I don't know how Detroit's going to do. I don't know if they're going to match up. I don't know how healthy a money's going to be, right? So if they got Will Harris and Jeff Okuda in there, Jeff Okuda cramped up last week. So I don't know. If it's going to be the same, I don't know how they're going to play it. 
But if they don't communicate, if they don't communicate, they can get hurt big time because Justin Jefferson is a big time, big threat wide receiver. And Adam Thielen can control the game underneath and keep the chains moving. Like you said, Irv Smith is coming along tight end. Those guys can always hurt you. He's not a guy that you go in and make a game plan that we got to stop this guy like y'all used to have when you had Kyle Rudolph back in the days. You had to have a whole game plan for Kyle Rudolph. I don't think really? you have to have that. Yeah, you had to have a game plan for Rudolph. Rudolph wow. could affect the game. Yes, early in his career, he was one of those guys where you had to have a game plan for Kyle Rudolph. You Man, had to. That, that's cool to hear. I always just viewed him as this slow-ass guy that can't get separation, but can win a jump <laughs> you ball. Must, so. You must have called that's him fair. at the end of his career. You must have wow. called him at the end of his career. Well, we've been around a minute, but, you know, I just, yeah, that's, that's funny. You're right, though. It, you know, it's it's what did you done for me lately? And we you know, we caught him at the beginning and on the end. Right. And that's probably what we remember. So, Right. I mean, Very, Kyle, well, hey, Kyle Eric, was a big guy that could do a lot of different yeah. things. Real quick, Ryan, do, do you think Glover, because you, you talked about Darius Slay playing off man against Justin Jefferson, that a big part of the reason he could do that is because their pass rush and their defensive line could exploit the Vikings' offensive line. Do you think Detroit has the ability to do a similar thing so that they could play that type of defense against a Justin Jefferson? I think so. I mean, you look at what they did last week against Carson Wentz. They 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 lit him up in the first half. Like I said, Aiden Hutchinson had three sacks in the first half. You know, you had um, one of the outside linebackers got in and had a sack force fumble for safety in the first half. You know, um, Rodrigo. I mean, those guys are blitzing and they're hitting the, they're hitting it hard, right? They're coming downhill fast and they're getting in there. So seeing it's a copycat league, right? Everybody saw what happened on Monday Night Football. That's the thing about it. They didn't play on Sunday at noon in Minnesota or one o'clock in Detroit, right? They didn't play the the game where half the people only saw the highlights. No, no, no. They played the prime time game on Monday night and the world was watching because everybody wanted to see Darius Slay against Justin Jefferson. We knew that was going to be a big time matchup and everybody wanted to see it, right? And that's what the world saw, right? So many times I've heard this week, oh yeah, Slay had good coverage, but Kirk Cousin was just like awful, right? That's what the perception was. So Kirk Cousin... Everybody saw it, and it's a copycat league. So I guarantee you Detroit came in Tuesday. It's like, hey, guys, hey, guys, if it's not broke, let's not fix it, right? Hey, guys, let's see if they can pick up the same blitzes that were getting them last week. Teams will do that. They'll come in and say, hey, man, this blitz right here just kept killing them. All right, we're going to put that in our package. You know what? We got a blitz called Spider where we hit the A gap. So this week in Spider, we're going to let them hit the B gap because this B gap rap was killing them last week. Whatever it is, right? They'll just a defensive play to fit the blocking scheme to see if they can have the same effect that the Eagles had. So if they don't fix that and they can get pressure on Kirk Cousins, they they are definitely going to, to do that. And obviously – if the Lions can score early and they can take Delvin Cook out the game far as, you know, not being able to run the ball, then it's going to be even tougher for you guys. So I think the Lions got the ability. They don't have necessarily the horses. I think that the Eagles have up front with Fletcher Cox and Hassan Reddick and some of those guys. But I think Aiden Hutchinson is a great pass rusher. Michael Brockers is in there. I think they got some guys that play hard 
that they can they can get in there and cause some pressure on on Kirk Cousins. Yeah, yeah, and I, I was gonna say the same. Like you know, it just I, I think Detroit's line D line is, is pretty strong. Actually, you know, again go, going back to your point earlier, a lot of like not household names, even like Aleem McNeil. You know, he can he can play some ball, right? Like there's some guys that can play. Um, but I do think that our offensive line is going to put up a much better showing than the commander's offensive line put up this week. So I think they're, I think both sides are going to be in for a good battle is what I guess what I'm saying. Let, let's dive in. I, we're, we're hitting to the top of the hour, um, and, and I know we want to be conscious of your time here at Glover. So uh, we're going to go into what we call our lightning round. I, I know we sent you the notes. I don't know if you necessarily know what this means, but we're just going to go through a bunch of just different questions. You're going to do you know high, low or uh, over under, I should say, um, and then buy, sell, and then we'll do some predictions and, and then we'll get out of here. Um, uh, that way you can get back to your night. But uh, so we'll, we'll try to go quick. I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to have all uh, both of you two answer it. Uh, and then I'll give my own insight as well. Dave, you join in on this as well. Um, and Dave, can you kind of keep track of kind of where we're at with things? I didn't do that last week. So uh, typically, I guess that's Matt's job, not mine. But um, and, and then we'll uh, and then we'll kind of go from there. So uh, let's hit up this lightning round, Dave. You got that music? Let's do it. All right, all right. So, all right, we're gonna do, start with over under here. So you talked about yards with Amon Ross St. Brown versus catches here. So I'm gonna go into yards here. Over under 90 yards because he's averaging about 90 a game and 1.5 touchdowns this week. I'm gonna go with the over. Do you think he gets over 90 yards? Think, and you think he also goes over on touchdowns? I think he get the over in touchdown. I mean, in yards. Ah. Not real sure about touchdown. I think he'll have one. I don't know about one and a half. I think I think he'll have one, um, but I definitely think he'll have uh, over ninety yards. All right, Miles. Yeah, I'm, I agree with that. I think he'll have over ninety yards, but I don't think he'll have two more than more than two touchdowns. Basically, more than more than one touchdown. Dave. Yeah, he's going to our run defenses. Not as stout as I hope it'd be. Well, man, I really hope he does, just because I do got him in some fantasy leagues. <laughs> so, but but honestly, honestly, I actually don't think he does this week. I think that we, I think we do enough to scheme specifically against him. I'm I'm calling bigger games for Chark and Reynolds and and some of those other guys this week. Um, Real quick, Ryan, just, Ryan, I, yeah. I do, Ryan, real quick, I do have to jump. Glover, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. It's been great having you and learning so much about. You know you and the team and um and so really appreciate that uh no problem man thank you guys all right all right well, let's keep it going here glover so uh deandre swift 125 all-purpose yards um and again he's averaging I'm, about 130 right now i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with the under under i'm gonna go with the under i don't know Ankles are tough, man. It could be feeling good right now. It could be, you know, all it takes is one tackle. Um, I don't think he had over 125 last week. I think he had a big run, a couple passes, but he was effective. But I don't think he went over 125. Um, so I'm going to go with the under. Okay. All right. All right, Dave. Um, let's go. I, I agree. Let's go under. Yeah, Maybe we I'm get lucky. Amon, 
St. Brown's going to kill us, but DeAndre Swift, we contain. <laughs> yeah, I was going to hit up the under as well. Again, I got him in a few different leagues, so I, I, I hope he does well at least. Uh, not enough to beat us, but I hope he does enough uh, to, to get my fantasy team continuing to go well here. Perfect, perfect. All right, we're going to switch to the uh, offensive side of the ball for the Vikings here. Dalvin Cook, you talked about how important it is to get him going. Uh, he's averaging about 100 all-purpose yards right now. Uh, 100 yards, over under. I'm going to go under. I think they're going to try to get him the ball early, but I think the Lions defense will be ready for it. And I think he'll have he'll, he'll have more, obviously, rushing yards than I think passing yards. I think um, he'll have, you know, 70 yards rushing, but I, I won't give him 30, 30 yards passing. So I'm going to go with the under. Dave. Going over. He's going to bust one. And like Glover said earlier, he has the capability of he hits the secondary, he can be gone. And all it takes is one big run, and that pushes him over. I'm going to go over. Kevin O'Connell talked about the need to get him more involved and get him involved there. So unless Detroit's got it schemed up against him, he's going to bust, and he's going to go See, I I agree with you a little bit here, Dave. Um, Not to be a homer here, uh, just – O'Connell talked about the importance of getting Dalvin the ball uh, a lot more here uh, at that press conference here today. Uh, Glover talked about how important it is for Dalvin to get involved in this game. Uh, I think we saw the mistakes of last week and only getting him those few touches, and uh, we're going to rectify that a little bit. He'll break one, maybe two big runs. Um, I, I don't think it's much over, but I think it is over. All right, uh, last one here. Justin Jefferson's ele- are averaging about 11.5 targets per game. Do you think that we continue to heavily – target him uh 11 and a half over under i'm going under um i think kirk tried to force feed him last week and i think the coaches this week are hitting on hey we can't just force feed him the ball we can't just do this we have other guys we need to get davin involved we need to get dealing more catches we can get herb the ball we can't just force feed the ball to Justin Jefferson. So I don't think he tries to throw it to him 12 times this week. I agree. Yeah, I agree as well. I agree. All right. Uh, buy sell here, Glover. Uh, Vikings, um, they were in the driver's seat to win the, NF- uh, the NFC North. Do you think that's still the case? How would they in the driver's seat after one week? Well, uh, you know, they, they beat, beat the Packers. They beat the rating <laughs> chance. They beat the rating chance. I know it's a new oh. year, but. They beat the um, who I guess, hey, who do you think is going to win the NFC North after two weeks? I, I mean, after the first two weeks, I got to say, I, if I just had to put money on it tonight, I would put money on the Detroit Lions. Not because I'm a, I'm a former line, not because, but just looking at the first two weeks, just looking at the first two weeks, I think what we saw from Minnesota last week, I think that gave a lot of people a a blueprint of how they can beat Minnesota. I I really do. Um, So we'll see how it plays out this week. You know, Chicago hasn't shown much. You know, Green Bay shown that that they're not the, you know, unbeatable team that they've been in the past. So right now, you know, just after two weeks, I think the team that, 
if people were just picking based off of what they have saw from the two games, they probably would say the Lions are the favorite. Now, people probably go with Green Bay because they've done it for so long and they still have Aaron Rodgers, right? And then some people will go with Minnesota because on paper, Minnesota probably got the most complete team that people can say Minnesota's that that team, right? They still got Thielen. They got Justin Jefferson. They got Delvin Cook, right? And we talked about the Lions not having the national names, right? You guys got national names, Delvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Friggin' Justin Jefferson, Harrison Smith. Like, you guys have guys that nationally people will say, oh, yeah, I know those guys. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Vikings. But just looking at how they've played the first two games, that's the key. I think the Lions look like they are the team that will be in the driver's seat. Lions, I think, have scored more points than any team in the NFC North so far. I mean, 35-plus, 35-plus in both games. I think in the league they've scored the most points. Maybe maybe Buffalo, maybe Buffalo, but, like, yeah, yeah. That that offense is something to be reckoned with. But I I still think the Vikings got this. Okay. We'll see. (laughs) But, hey, hey, I'll DM you later, and we'll uh, we'll (laughs) maybe do a side bet or something. All right. Uh, Detroit's Detroit's offense, again, we just talked about that. Buy, sell on Detroit's offense. Do you think they're going to keep this – you know, thirty plus points a game uh, week uh, or week in and week out up. Thirty plus. You know what? I did. It'd be it'd be very difficult for me to. You know. and, and obviously, that's a stretch. Thirty plus is a lot for right. That's what I was about to say. You know, but, that's what I was about to say. Like, league. Do you buy that say, their offense is like here to stay though? Right. I think their offense is here to stay. You know, I predicted the score for the Lions to have. Um, 24 points this week. So I think the streak of 30 plus, 35 plus, will probably end. But I still think the Lions get in the end zone three times and they get a field goal out of it. Okay. Dave? Well, I agree with that. It's hard to sustain that much scoring throughout an entire season. You would literally be the number one offense. And no, it it comes back to earth. But I like what I see for them. I mean, I like and, it a lot and, better than I like the Packers. And to Glover's point here, I, I yeah, thirty points a game is going to be tough, but I do buy into this offense because, again, not any household names, but they got good players on their that offense and that offensive line. Dave, I know you love offensive lines. Mm-hmm. That offensive line is a damn good offensive line. So, all right, let's get the predictions, Glover. You you kind of already let the cat out of the bag. You didn't say who was going to win. You just said you predicted them to get twenty four points. So. Uh, why don't we lead with you and then we'll go to Dave and then we got uh, Matt on video here to uh, give his prediction and then I'll, I'll wrap it up. All right. So uh, try not to be biased um, and just judge it kind of what I see just based off of what I see. I think you guys are explosive. I think Justin Jefferson is an explosive wide receiver. But the thing about being an explosive wide receiver, you need an explosive quarterback to go along with him doesn't matter how far and fast you can run. If the quarterback can't get it to you, you're non-effective. So I do feel like you guys will get in the end zone one time. I think you'll get multiple field goals. So I got the Lions winning 24 to 13. Woo! 
Hey, hey, you know, I'm mad that I didn't ask you about Kirk Cousins and your feelings about Kirk Cousins earlier because that's a hot button topic in Minnesota. <laughs> we'll have to get you back on when we play you guys again later this year, and you can give us that lowdown. Dave, what do we got? I said our one tie this year comes with Detroit, from Detroit. I can see 24-24. <laughs> You're calling Ooh. a tie? I said I could see it. Um, the question is, does Minnesota bounce back? Do they fix what happened on Monday night? Because if they don't get fixed, we're going to get our tails whooped, and we're going to get it whooped for the rest of the season, and it's going to be miserable. If they do fix it, we can score 30 points. The question is, which team shows up on Sunday? I'm wagering it's probably going to be a closer game, and I could literally see 24-24, but I'll go – I actually think the Lions are going to win. I'm going to go 24-21. Lions? Dude, I don't think I've ever – I mean, outside of you just <laughs> predicting it, just for the just for the like adverse effect right. of like, oh, I'm unlucky, That's, so I'm going to get this wrong on purpose. Now, um, there was so much that went wrong on Monday night that just has me extremely worried. All right. Uh, hey, I, I totally understand the concern there. Uh, you want to pull Matt's up? Yeah, let's do that. Hey, Vikings Happy Hour. It's Matt here. Uh, you know, my score prediction for the week, I think the Vikings come back. I think they have a strong performance at home, if last week was any indication. Um, I think they they pull off a, a pretty convincing win, 35-21 to 21 over the Detroit Lions. Look for Justin Jefferson, Thielen, Cook to get all back on the same page. Thanks, Matt. And I ho- do hope I'm wrong. I hope Matt's right. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, all right, so I, I like to look at the Vegas betting lines here because they're never off usually that much. They were off big time last week against the Vikings and uh, Eagles, but um, I, I'm going to call for a Vikings win. They're seven-and-a-half-point favorites, I think, at last time I looked. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be that much. Um, I'm going to call a 34-31 field end, end of game field goal win for the Vikings. And again, I, 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 I like both these offenses. I don't love either of their defenses, but I do like both these offenses. Go over if you were on the other side of this, uh, you know, uh, on the other side of this uh, defense here right now, I'd probably maybe call it a little bit different because you're a hell of a player. <laughs> but, uh, but as of right now, I think that our passing game can, can uh, give that uh, defensive backfield a little bit of trouble. So I'm going to call a, a three point favorite here for the Vikings. So. All right, Glover. I appreciate. And, and, and you. I agree. I I agree. You you guys have the receivers that could really give that young secondary fits. Like I said, I think the biggest thing is you guys are driving a Bugatti and you putting eighty seven gas in there, man. Kirk Cousin, <laughs> Kirk can Kirk Cousin be the guy that can be explosive? Right? Can he? Because like I say, doesn't matter Sunday, how good. Yes. You know, uh, every if they're getting pressure on Kirk, if they're getting pressure on Kirk, and he feels uncomfortable, no, then he goes into bad Kirk. Yeah, you know, so that that's what it is. They they may not feel like no, we can't just go one on one and 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 shut down Justin Jefferson and, and Adam Thielen, but we can get to the quarterback, and if we can do that, then that's gonna slow those guys down. Sure. Hey, I totally get you. We've had a lot of discourse on Kirk Cousins over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
is he turning a corner? Is he not? You know, half the fan base. If you came in on Viking Twitter right now, Glover, it's 50-50. You're either a Kirk Stan or you're a Kirk hater. There's no in-between. Um, I'm one of those that are in between because I don't think he's dog awful, but I also don't think he's great either. Uh, but you know, there, there's, there's things he does well. He plays within a system. Well, great system quarterback. I don't think he's going to create for you. I don't think he makes people better around him, but uh, again, conversation for another time. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about what you're doing. You know, uh, I know that you have an affiliation here with, uh, is it believe, believe sports? Uh, tell us a little bit about a believe network. right? Yeah, so I'm just doing a podcast, uh, Believe in Lines. You know, they 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 have this podcast platform where they are, you know, basically getting a lot of former players from different teams involved and, and just, you know, doing podcasts about the team. So they asked me if I wanted to be a part of it and, you know, be with the Detroit Lions. And it's kind of cool because I just have to get on here and, and talk, right? You know, they have producers and, you know, I got a co-host and I got all these different things. So I just got to get on and talk about the lines and my thoughts on the game and the players and what's going on and, and all those things. So that's kind of cool. And, you know, doing, you know, that podcast and just, you know, putting yourself out there in the podcast form. Well, then I get asked to be on you guys podcasts and other podcasts and other people that are doing podcasts because that's the big thing to do nowadays is do podcasts. Right. People want to talk and, you know, COVID brought out all these new ways of doing things virtual and you know things like that so a lot of this stuff you know started back then with that and it's and it's great right you get to hear a lot of people and people like to get the content and see what other people are thinking especially former players so that's what i'm doing from a football perspective you know that part of it personally i like taking pictures the photography i saw it on your twitter profile you were yeah, like, so. you know, photographer, my, uh, you know, dad. And then you're like, oh, yeah, and I'm a football player. But, or former yeah, football player. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah, and yeah. I used to be a football player. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think yeah, you can I re- still lace them up with the best of them. Though. I, I, you know, honestly, Gore, I, when we played the Lions back when you were back on the team, you know, I wasn't much worried about your front seven. But I, I was worried about that secondary. You had mentioned a couple of those guys, Slay, yourself, Diggs. You guys had a good group back there, and and again, you're the interceptions leader for a reason. You made a Pro Bowl for a reason. You're a hell of a player, and you know you have the respect from a Vikings fan, even though I don't give a lot of respect to my my rivals very often. <laughs> but you gotta, you know, you gotta pay respect where it's due. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it, man. I I enjoyed Minnesota. I I, I can't lie. I didn't know a lot about Minnesota until I went out there. It's a beautiful city. Um, the stadium is beautiful and the fans, you know, people ask me all the time, what was the funnest place to play? And I generally say Minnesota, the new stadium, the fans, the school chant, like it, I used to look forward to that. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I understand that fans are cheering for the home team and they boo and all that stuff. Um, but it was just always fun. And so even just seeing some of the comments in the, in the, in, you know, that's popping up, mm-hmm. I think I'm seeing some of them. The Vikings fans are incredible. They're 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 good in my book. I know I played against you guys, made a lot of plays against you guys. Um, but it was broke all up, fun. Broke I our got... hearts a little bit <laughs> a few times. But it but it was all fun, man. I, I actually I actually love um you know the Minnesota the Minnesota fan base. I think they're a good bunch of group good people. So it's um it's good. I hope there's a good game Sunday. I hope the fans are there and and, and continue with that environment that make that stadium one of the, the top fun stadiums to play in in the NFL. 
Well, I'll, I'll be there. I'm a I'm a season ticket holder, so I'll be there. You know, doing that. Well, I usually don't do the skull chant, but you know, I'll, I'll definitely be there. You got to get in on the skull chant. I, I, I'm I do a love visitor. It, but I, I, Dude, I played on the other opposing team, and I'm doing the skull chant. I used to be like, "Hey guys, they about to do the chant. They about to do the chant. Let's go." <laughs> I, I do it, but my voice my voice oh! gets like lost immediately. You know, like I, I got about a quarter Bro. in me, and then my voice is gone. And I'm a recruiter in my day job. So I got to talk on the phone all day. So days after Vikings games, I am just worthless. So uh, Bro, I would say, I would say all the stadiums, because I played at all of them except for one. That skull chant and the Pittsburgh Renegade are probably the two dopest things. That's <laughs> gold chant. Blood flowing. That skull chant is hard, and the Pittsburgh Renegade is hard. It's kind of it's like one of those things, like like when you're in New England and they're playing Sweet Caroline, like you just get pissed off at that. Like yeah. they're just, you know. But when you're in Pittsburgh and they start doing a Renegade, like you're on your sideline, like you're feeling the same vibe. Like you know what I'm saying? The the crowd is doing it for Pittsburgh, but you're feeling it too, right? When you go to New in uh, Minnesota and they're doing the skull chant, yeah, they're doing it against you. But, like, you're using it to get you going. Like, it's just that type of environment. I love it. I love it. Keep it going. Skull. I love it. It's, it's, it's a fun thing. It's great for football. It's a great thing for Minnesota. Keep it up. I love it. Um, Glover, I, I ask that you stay with us throughout the um, rollout. I have one short thing I'd like to show you before you go. But we do appreciate you coming on the show. It has been wonderful to have you. We'd love to talk the explanation, the difference, three, four, four, three, all the defensive back scheming and stuff. It was brilliant. And uh, what do we say, Ryan, when we go? Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout out goes to our partners, the Daily Norsemen, where the best. Vikings content can be found and to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. <laughs>